Hello, this is Sockjig from Twitter, and we're going one-on-one with Don Drew, because the game is the game. Yo, it's episode 19 of the one-on-one podcast. I'm Don Drew. You could find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Don Drew. I'm always fascinated by all the characters in the internet era of sneakers. When you pull back the curtain, you never know what you're going to get. My next guest has created bracket tournaments for everything from the best Jordan 1 to the dumbest Supreme accessory. He turned a goofy Twitter handle into an actual brand and product line, and he sent a clip of my show viral four years after it aired. So come dive into the cesspool of sneakers on the internet as I go one-on-one with the guy who calls himself Sock Jig. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the one-on-one podcast. I'm here with the elusive Sock Jig. What's going on, man? Welcome to the pod. Oh, thanks for having me. So give me some origin on the sock jig, the, the mysterious sock jig. The you know, how, how, does, how, does, how does one become a, a sock jig? I'm fascinated. Uh, so I started the account back in like, January 2017, but I was always personally uh, on my personal Twitter account on Twitter. And it really started with like Trump. I was just sick of seeing Trump tweets on my <laughs> timeline. And, and a lot of my friends and coworkers were like, just were asking why I'm talking, what am I, what am I talking about when I'm talking about all these sneaker stuff or I just missed that. And so I was like, you know what, I'm just going to start something new. And um, one thing I saw was there wasn't really anybody really talking about uh, in the sneaker media about resale prices or buying online. And that was some stuff that I knew a little bit about, you know, in, in like in uh, publications, you'll see stuff about you know, what's releasing and things like that. Are you, so now, like, are you a reseller? Uh, would you consider yourself a reseller? It Basically, the origin story of that is a bunch of spreadsheets. So one of my, my spreadsheet from 2016 will see that I probably spent like 10K on personal sneakers. And then when I added that up, I was like, oh, shit, I shouldn't be <laughs> spending 10K. Right. On so, so like a lot of guys, you probably yeah. started flipping shoes to pay for your habit. Exactly. And and then it went from like, let me just keep this like uh, level. I just wanted to keep it even Steven. And that's what I did in like 2017, 2018. Um, and then, you know, I was like, once you gain knowledge, uh, once you have an eye for sneakers um, and what people are wearing, then it was like, hmm, I can just, there's, there's a lot of like market inefficiencies here, especially where I live in Canada. Sometimes you can buy sneakers here for super cheap that are sold out in the U.S., so that's what I would do. And those those might not be, you know, the Air Jordan 1. It might be like a Vapor Max or something like that. And, now, and you're from Western Canada, right? Yeah, I live in the Vancouver area. So Western Canada guy tweeting anti-Trump stuff. I wasn't personally tweeting anti-Trump stuff. <laughs> I mostly was just sick of seeing it. I just, I just didn't want to be around it. And so I was like, let me just start a new account. I, it's not, I'm going to take my name off it. And I'm just going to follow only the sneaker stuff I want to. And I just switch back and forth between my personal and my, my sneaker account. And so gotcha. that's, what, that's how it all started. And then from there, I was like, you know, uh, my idea was maybe one day I'll start a blog. Because back then, everyone was starting a YouTube instead. And I was like, eh, that's not something I'm interested in doing. Um, and so I was like, and then it just, I was like, yeah, I can just keep a Twitter. I'll just post my opinions, you know? And I did that for years where like, I just had 80, 90 followers and it just kind of grew from there. The interesting thing with you is, is the sock jig is, is an actual thing, right? Yes. So if I'm not mistaken in the, the days of, of manual purchasing on the, the sneaker sites, the move was to add a sock to your cart so you could fill in all your credit card information, right? Do I got it right? Yeah, basically. You could you'd add a sock to your cart and you would bookmark, you'd go all the way to checkout and you, you'd kind of have an autofill already with your credit card information already in there. And so then you would bookmark that page. And then say the sneaker's releasing at uh, 10 a.m. When the sneaker released at 10 a.m., in another tab, you would add the sneaker 
you would go back to the first tab where you added a cart and you hit reload and you would kind of bypass any queue, any waiting. You, you wouldn't have to do step, you know, two, three, four, you would just have to go straight to that last step. Uh, and then you press place order and you, you would, that's how I would basically buy everything. And then you turn, so you turned the sock jig into a guy who makes socks. <laughs> yeah. That kind of, uh, that just happened during this quarantine stuff. I was like sitting around and uh, I didn't, I, you know, I work from home. Uh, and so I didn't really have that much free time. Um, and, but I was like, you know what? I think I could do this. I think because it's an inside joke, a sock that just said sock jig on it, I think people would buy it. You know, I talked to a couple of friends and they were like, yeah, I think you could do it. And, you know, I don't have a huge following. I don't have like 10,000 people. I had like at the time probably like 4,000 something. And I was like, I think people who follow me would buy it. But I think that your following is, is pretty active because, I mean, I, you sent me viral. So, <laughs> I, I mean, and, and that's kind of how I come to know of you was one day I, my phone just started blowing up and people are texting me and calling me and my Twitter is on fire. And my Instagram is on, and I just have all these at messages. And there's a clip of me from like four years ago <laughs> that right. was dug up from the archives. And there I am, viral all over the internet. And I feel like you're the guy who's responsible for that. Yeah, and I said to you, um, you know, I have a Cliff Clavin memory when it comes to that. Look, look that up, kids, if you don't know who Cliff, Cliff Clavin is. Cliff Clavin, that's... <laughs> That's Cheers, right? That's that's from Cheers, yeah. And, Look at that. Um, I, I, I'm old enough. <laughs> <laughs> I always remembered that episode, and it was like a long episode. You had him on for 90 minutes or so, right? And yeah. I remembered I remembered the thing that he said, the shit in your mouth thing, because I thought it was funny. And and so uh, when I posted that clip, it was around And when he says, when... I want to just tell the audience, we're, he's talk, we're talking about Sean Weatherspoon. That's right. Sorry. That's what yeah. we're talking and, and about. And he's talking about his love for Nike and how um, Nike could basically shit in his mouth is what he said. And and so around when I posted that clip is around when – first, I actually posted it twice. I posted the first time in, like, March of 2019. And that was when he had left Nike or so. And like I said, I had probably 200, 300 followers back then, not that many, right? And I had said – well, Nike basically just told him to eat shit then, right? And, you know, we probably got like eight or nine retweets and a bunch of likes. Um, and then then later when he signed with Adidas, and I think when I posted it again, it was when that Adidas uh, Super Earth shoe was first leaked. And really my question was like, how is he authentically going to tell this story that he's now uh, signing with Adidas and a Adidas fan when he went so strong on his take about Nike, right? Well, I think, and I was debating whether we should do this or not, but I think I, it's like a minute long, right? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we should play for the audience the clip of Sean Weatherspoon on my show talking about Nike and Adidas. What do you think? Sure. Sounds good. All right. Here we go. Do you want Adidas wave? No, I hate it. I just don't fuck with Adidas at all. It's not my thing. I have absolutely no history with them. Like no nostalgic feeling for Adidas. I, I don't so know. you're all Nike, everything brand loyal. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Nike all day. Whether night. And I told Nike in a meeting, we we're actually in a meeting a couple of days ago. I told them, I'm like, you guys could take a shit in my mouth. You could, you could lay me down and shit in my mouth and I would still wear your fucking sneakers. I just like Nike. You know, I just, I, I just like it. I like the aesthetic of it. It's cool. You know, like I don't care. So that's how I, yeah. I, I like Nike, you know, whether they fuck with me or not, like I like Nike. So a lot of people are like, yo, Nike must be giving you a fat check. Nah, they're not. I just really like Nike, you know? Well, so Sean said that on my show and you posted it and it went viral. Yeah. And you know, I, the, the reason why people like Sean Witherspoon is kind of apparent in that clip, right? Because he's, he's kind of, approachable he kind of says what he thinks and uh you know i don't really follow his youtube series or anything but i you know i like this nike shoe it's one of the top 10 shoes that i've owned probably i really like it but 
like I said, when you go, when you're brand loyal, when you go all in like that and things change, which, which is normal, right? Like if anyone's in their career who's, or, you know, dated someone and things have changed and you love someone and then uh, they don't love you back. And then now you got to go forward. I get it. Right. So, so when he goes to a new company, I get it, but it was more, I was just curious how Adidas is going to tell the story, how Sean is going to tell the story. And so, cause when he went so hard in that clip, right. When he, how do you get back from shitting in my mouth? Yeah. And, and it was funny because when he said it at the time, I, I mean, I was a little like blown away, maybe caught off guard. He kind of caught, I didn't expect that, you know, cause it was yeah. a really like, I thought kind of innocent question that I queued up for him and he just hit it out of the park. And, uh, you know, the disclaimer here is I really like Sean. Um, you know, Sean and I, uh, we followed each other on the networks, the social networks for quite some time. And we had a good relationship and he was nice enough to do a show. Like you said, I had him for like 90 minutes and we had a great conversation. I thought he was super engaging and I felt bad when that went viral because that puts him in a tough spot. And I really, you know, at the time it really didn't get that much attention until he signed with Adidas. Yeah. And you know, honestly, I, I feel kind of bad, too. I, I like him, too. I like I never really went hard at him. If anything, in my tweets, I just posted the transcript and let the video do the talking kind of thing. Right. right. Um, it, and so and I get it. If, if you're with Nike and then whatever, there's some you're no longer with Nike and then someone else comes calling, then you're now you're moving on. It's like a new phase in your life. Right. And so it, it's easy easily explainable like why why he's on a new brand but he just i guess he just doesn't explain why uh, that's what i was curious about how he would explain it well i think he's decided not to explain it because yeah, which is, I'm seeing which is, is interesting. That he's, he's going to pretend it never happened which is interesting because people like him because he's an authentic right because people like him for who he is um but He's, you know, when he's more than that, than, you know, since, since that first shoe, like he's round two is expanded the YouTube series, you know, at most shoes with, uh, sorry, with uh, a six and now with Adidas. Right. So I guess he's got to protect himself and his brand and his company, but you know, he probably doesn't care about me, but I, <laughs> just because I made a, a clip go viral, I guess, but I don't really have any animosity against him. I totally get it. I think he missed an opportunity. Yeah, no. I think he missed an opportunity because he could have easily spun it and nobody would have killed him. Yeah, nobody would have killed him. He could have easily just kind of laughed it off. And, and, and I guess I'll tell the story. I've really been wanting to tell the story and been pondering whether I should or not. And maybe I'll regret, maybe I'll regret telling it, but I'm going to tell it anyways. People like oh. you because you're tough and fair. <laughs> Thank you. A couple, of pe- uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago, Adidas PR hit me up in an email and asked if I would put Sean on my show to promote the Super Earth. And, of course, I, I said I would. Um, I asked some questions that I normally ask. Is he doing any other press? You know, because, honestly, I don't – look, I don't have a huge audience. I have a very consistent audience. And I don't necessarily want to put somebody on after they've done the car wash of, of podcasts and shows, because why do you want to listen to somebody spend an hour or 45 minutes or whatever amount of time with me when you just heard them with Joe LaPuma and Matt Welty and Brendan Dune or the sneak disc guys or whoever else is out there in space, you know, you know, all these different places. So I like to have people organically. That, you know, you come on and I get to ask my set of questions and, and that's what it is. So Adidas hit me and I, and I asked, you know, is he doing any other press? And, and they said no. And I said, well, shoot, I'd, I'd, I love Sean personally. I'd love to have him back on. And I think it'd be the perfect place for him to kind of explain that. We'll play the clip. We had great conversation, great dialogue. And I, it was all done. And we, we locked it up and it was done. We were going to tape on a Monday night. Um, and then I was going to hold the show and drop it behind the release of the super earth. So he was going to, re- they sent me the whole press kit and everything. And I was going to release the pod 
as soon as the embargo from Adidas ended so that to promote the shoe. And, and he was going to come on, and we were going to have just an honest conversation. But, I, I, again, I like Sean, so I wasn't going to try and paint him in a, in a bad light. And it was all done, and I went home that Friday night thinking we're taping Monday. And Sean didn't want to do it. And he, he bailed on it, and I guess maybe his people didn't think it was a good look. I think that's a mistake. He's entitled to that. And now we're looking at it, and he chose not to do it. He's not doing any interviews. And um, he's not talking about the clip at all. He's not addressing it at all. But that clip is still alive, and it's still on the internet. Yeah, he, he could have buried it once and for all. Like, if once you address it, there's no point of bringing it up. Everyone moves on, right? Whereas now, like, I posted it because I thought it was a funny joke, right? A lot of the stuff I post is centered around jokes. So... Um, these jokes can continue now, right? Where if something is buried, why bring up something again where he's already been talked about, right? And I'm and I'm seeing it floating all over Twitter because now people are taking the clip that you posted last year, and they're commenting on it and they're killing him. And and look, the shoe's a cool shoe. It's all vegan. Sean's a creative guy. It's gonna sell out, so it probably doesn't matter to him what people are saying, and that's fine. But I think yeah. it would have been a super cool moment. And maybe I'm saying that just because it's me and it's my show. So maybe I'm looking at it from my own lens. But I just think it would have been a super authentic, super cool moment for Sean to laugh at himself. You know, acknowledge, yeah, I said that. That's a little crazy. You know, I was just all Nike everything at the time. And, and why not? You know, he just he released one of the coolest shoes maybe in the last decade. You know, and... Maybe, um, maybe that's a stretch, but, I mean, it's a great shoe. And he yeah, should be proud of that. He did that. It was a layup, and I guess, you know, he didn't want to do it. You know, he, he stepped out of bounds and was like, I'm, I'm going home, right? Yeah, I guess. I was really disappointed. I was really, really disappointed, and um, I wish him the best. I have no hard feelings. I actually reached out to Sean after the whole thing died because I was surprised also because I did have – what I thought was a, a good relationship with the guy. So I thought when Adidas ran it by me, like, yeah, of course he's going to do my show because me and him are cool. You know, we're good. And no, he, you know, and he didn't return any of my texts that I sent him privately. He didn't return any messages. So I don't know. I don't know where that is. And we'll we move on. Yeah. People change, people grow. And, you know, he was probably whatever, 28, 29 on that, when the shoot first launched and, you know, it was four years later or whatever. And, you do learn a lot in that in that time, so I, I totally get it. But like I said, it, it was an easy layup uh, or a blown spot, as they say in wrestling terms. Yeah. Well, what are you gonna do? Uh, maybe I'll regret telling that story, but it's a true story, and I thought it was was ironic a little bit, the way it went down. But let's move on. Let's talk about you know the the sneaker world. You're, I feel like an astute observer. Of, of, I don't call it a culture because I think it's more of a cesspool than it is a culture. <laughs> but um, uh, you're an astute observer of what's going on. Um, I saw you talking about the bots and the auto checkouts and some of that stuff. You know, that's a world I don't really know anything about. Why don't you shed some light there without getting too in the weeds? You know, I, I'm in the streets. That's, a, that's what I said to you earlier. Like, I I like being I like knowing what's going on how how things are going and you know and I, I know people who run big time bots I don't personally myself um, and so but I can comment enough about it where I do know what's going on a little bit um, yeah things are changing things are evolving uh, every six months there's it's a whole new kind of world in this world um, the current state is. Nike and Shopify are really hard to bot now. Um, Shopify are like sites like, you know, Kith and Undefeated and Livestock. Um, it's this big platform that uh, a lot of uh, stores use. Um, but sites like Adidas and uh, Yeezy Supply and all the foot sites like uh, Foot Locker and East Bay, those ones are easy to bot still. They're not easy, but the people who know how and are good at it can still do it. So most of them have a one per limit. So 
help me understand how someone gets around that. Uh, well, in for for example, on foot sites, it's like you can set up something called privacy, for example, and have uh, multiple credit cards. Um, or a lot of a lot of big time buyers, what they do is they sell slots. It's like for twenty dollars, give me your credit card and your address, and I'll run it on my bot. And once it once it hits, um, you will get um, you will get your shoe right and. That's why, so they're using unique information on each person's uh, slot for that bot. Um, for that, and they're just taking, and they're just taking a piece of the gate. Exactly, they, they you know, they're that's the big for them, the, the twenty dollars, uh, the slot fee. And there's people who just run their own information. Privacy lets you create multiple credit cards under one like bank account, uh, and you can run those. But some places block all those, and some places don't. Is it illegal? I don't think so. No, um, I think some of the laws in the U.S. are around like tickets, but there's I don't think there's anything about sneaker botting that's illegal. Is is there any incentive for the retail brands to even bother wasting any money or time combating it? Uh, it's really interesting to see um, some ret- retailers really care. And they try really hard. Um, the, uh, this this past weekend was this uh, Union Four release, um, and I called it one of the greatest releases in the last few years because what made it so bot, good? Zero bots worked, and stock was like high, like it could have been twenty, thirty thousand. I don't know, but it wasn't like you know two. Well, that's the problem is a lot of time a Jordan drops, uh, and there's uh, you know eighty pairs and thousands and thousands of people trying to go you know squeeze through a door at the same time try to get it um whereas if you have a lot of stock and you kill bots and then it's just you know one manual person after another just checking out and everyone's happy that that's why it was really good how does so how does a retailer like like union uh, they're not a big a big company i mean there's they're a boutique and um how how do they combat something that a billion dollar organization like full Locker or finish line can't fix um they partner with shopify and shopify has a very active bot team uh sorry anti-bot team and that anti-bot feature is for shopify shopify plus customers only they just released it a few weeks ago um before that it was it was always around and you know it was stopping bots but it was I guess basically a beta feature that they hadn't properly announced or they'd only given it to a few customers. So the big, big stores like Kif and undefeated, and I guess union have it because they pay, you know, the premium price for the Shopify plus. And really the only advantage to them is, is their reputation in the streets. Cause you're going to sell the exactly. same kind of pairs. Yeah, and, and like I said, some some merchants really care. They they want this. They want it in the hands of people. Uh, Premier in Michigan is is another example of a store that really cares. Um, you know, and the, some of the things that's released recently is like they you they're asked the question now before um, you could, you're allowed to add the shoe to the cart. So say you're a bot and you're running this, and then one day all of a sudden there's a question there. You're not going to have support for this question feature. Um, and, and the the questions could be super simple, like you know, and for Union, it was what color is an orange. Um, Eric Eric Emmanuel had um, who sells these shorts that are really popular. Um, he had a collaboration with Bape, and the question was like only so, something that any Bape head would really know, and it was like um, a bathing ape bathes in lukewarm water, and you had to write the word lukewarm. That is something you could probably open a new tab in Google, but it might take you a few seconds if you're just like a random guy who's, you know, just in it for the flip. But someone who's really into bait would know that in a second. Interesting. So walk me through the, it, it, it sounds actually, I'm, I'm, I feel ridiculous saying this. <laughs> walk me through the anatomy of a cook group. Cook groups are, it's pretty interesting. Um, so I never actually people, thought I'd bring myself to say cook group. 
Yeah, yeah, I like I, I just, I see it online. Like, what the fuck is a cook group? <laughs> I said, I said earlier the other day, it's a, it just, it's interesting seeing uh, words that you you see online, like um, people say clips. I got twenty clips, and it's a movie and things like that. Right, and like just, the whole <laughs> internet lexicon. I mean, I we we could do a whole pod on internet lingo. There's yeah. times I got to tell you, and this shit makes me feel old as hell. But there are times where I'll see a tweet or I'll see something on Instagram or somewhere on the internet and I have to Google what the word means. Yeah, yeah. And I have no yeah. idea, you, you know, and I, I like to think I'm fairly connected, but some of this shit just goes flying right over my head. But anyways, yeah. I, don't want, I don't want to get off on a tangent. Give me, so, so, so give me what like, like these cook groups, what they are and what they do and, and uh, educate me here. Essentially, it's just one. It's like a social club. Two, um, it's like you join us, and we'll teach you how to resell. Um, we'll give you connections to our monitors, which monitor sites like Nike and all the Shopify sites. So as soon as one of those stores, you know, restock something, you get an alert, and you can. Uh, and then most of these groups are in either in Discord or Slack. So there's already a mobile app. You can get. You can set a certain channel say there's a nike channel you can set alerts for it so when nike restocks some sort of shock drop like you know they've done before with uh, off-white stuff you can get that alert right on your phone so that's a service that a lot of these uh, groups these monitor or cook groups offer so they find out about that before the general public like you know someone on twitter like soul links or these these link guys they find the same thing and they post it at the same time, right? So, so how does that give you an advantage then? Because it's like the time, it might take seven seconds for Soul Links to post it. And by that time, the shoe's out of stock. So um, that's what people compete for having the fastest monitors, for example. You know, some people will complain that, um, you know, your, your delay on this, on this, on Kith was 40 seconds, which is, you know, a lifetime in terms of when sneakers sell out. But cook groups are more than that. It's like a monitor, and some some just keep adding on. Some do, um, like we'll give you, tell you what to buy and sell and hold, um, because there's a lot of you know sneakers that go up in six months. So say you're new to sneakers, and or say you're new to reselling, and you want to kind of scale up a bit. You're right. looking for mentorship. You're looking for someone to answer questions, and that's what these group groups will say. Like, come join us. There's a, there's a channel where you can ask questions, and you have to pay to get in a group. Yeah, and some are thirty bucks a month. Some are like up to hundred bucks a month. These guys are so entrepreneurial. It's it's you're charging somebody a hundred bucks a month. Yeah, and, and and now you get that residual income just to kind of teach them. Yeah. You know, there's there's a lot of stuff where um, where people, you know, some some sometimes these guys are all young. They will make fun. They will like go in a store's comments and say, you know, we took all the stock and stuff like that. And sometimes they look like like idiots and clowns. But the majority of these guys are really smart. Like they're way smarter than I was at at 21 or whatever. Um, they have that entrepreneurial mind, like spirit. They kind of. Some some are like seventeen, eighteen, and know I should buy these Jordan retros and hold them until that ESPN documentary comes out, and then sell them around then, right? Stuff like that. Yeah, because you could be in sneakers a long time. But like, I mean, myself, that's a perfect example. I mean, I've been in the sneaker industry for twenty five years. I can't always pinpoint what resells and what doesn't, what to hold and what not, because being plugged into sneakers is very different than being plugged into resell. Yeah. Um, some of that, you know, is, is stuff like there's always something new. There's always surprises. Um, you know, the, this trophy room, uh, Jordan five that I released, um, at that trophy room store, it all of a sudden became like a $2,000 shoe and, and no one saw that come. Um, and then, or even the Jordan documentary, some people had that in mind, some didn't. Um, but one of the biggest things is just to see what people are wearing. Like if, if you look on the streets, people are on TikTok, for example, all these girls are wearing these Jordan 1s. And so the, the, the grade school sizes of Jordan 1s have like shot through the roof. And, and they've done that for a last year and a half. Um, you know, well, the, the, Asian market, the Asian market drives that also. 
exactly and it, it, it's probably changed from asian market to just kind of everyone right and so you only see that by like being in the streets and kind of seeing what people are actually wearing because um, when when the shoe is actually worn and it's like there's fewer of them fewer of them dead stock available and then the price goes up so so it, that's what i mean these guys these younger some of these younger guys are just more attuned to this kind of stuff and just watching uh, especially these new york guys um and yeah so i i give them credit for that they they deserve that if they if they foresee all that do you think it's it's gonna sustain can it sustain the market's just been going you know josh uber was on here he, he's got these forecasts of it going higher and higher and higher right and it's it's it surprised me um why people are jumping out now a little bit i saw just for you know cards and stuff just because they see the card market you know having this two to three times growth instead of you know a 20 dollar profit so if the if the profit is the sales aren't there that's the only thing i see people jumping out people are always going to have want to have shoes to wear uh i don't see that i always i still see nike and adidas producing as as much the as sneaker the sneaker market from a hype standpoint has always been a bit cyclical i mean i, I remember when i started in the mid 90s you know, resale wasn't really a huge deal. It was more about the fashion end and having it first. But there was still a little bit of the resale. Guys were paying above box, especially to get stuff early. More to get stuff early than anything else. And then that it blew, it blew up. It boomed through the early 2000s. And then it crashed like 05, 06, 07, 08, really to the turn of the decade. And then in 2010, 2011, it started to make a huge comeback and has ascended to where it is today. I, you know, having seen the industry over 25 or so years, you know, I've seen it as a roller coaster up and then down and then back up again. So I'm waiting for it to go back down. And it hasn't. It really hasn't. If say it's been shooting up, it shoots up, shoots up, shoots up. And then it does retract, like you say. Say there's a recession, there's no more, you know, uh, uh, checks rolling in from the government, um, and it goes back down, say twenty percent. In the last four or five years, it's still gone up than eighty percent. Then, right? Like if it previously it had gone up hundred percent. So I don't foresee it going down to you know plateauing down to two thousand nine or um, nineteen ninety nine levels or anything, but. Just because it's gone so high, and even if it does contract a bit, I think it'll come around. Yeah, and 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 whenever and in the last ten years, whenever there has been a, a bit of contraction, it's gone right back up quickly. The bubble hasn't burst. Yeah, and you see now there's a lot of rich people in the game. You see all these guys wanting to show off their Dior's. Um, those those rich people can exit the game, and then the rest of us will still be here, <laughs> right? Um, so, um, but the rich people love flexing, I guess, right? And so that's why I, I still see them wanting to have the thing that's, the Nike's still going to make a shoe that's, you know, numbered in 2000 or something like that. They, they, they need these unicorn releases once or twice a year. Right, right. Because the, those releases drive the inline goods. You know, the thing, the thing with the Jordan 1 is for every limited OG colorway of a Jordan 1 is 10 colorways of an OG high that's, uh, you know, OG high that's not an OG colorway. Yeah. And then another 30 colors of a mid. And all the sales of those non-OG colorways in the high and all the sales of the mid all jump off of that Chicago or that black toe or that fragment or that that shattered backboard, whatever, pick whichever one it is, right? Because all those people who couldn't get that, they're, you know, that's the trendsetter. And, and those mids are selling out and resell too now, right? So that's why I think Jordan Brand is creating newer models and, you know, they made a lot more lows lately. So they're like, oh, if the mids are selling out, let's make, make lows too. I'm shocked that they haven't, saturated the market with the ones yet 
It's it's starting though. I'm seeing them sitting on shelves a little bit. I it honestly, is, I it is starting. Your Adidas is right there, and if I was Nike, I'd be like, I don't want to become Adidas, right? <laughs> so they flooded the market with Boost, and now no one wanted Boost. But Adidas so, historically has done that with every shoe they've ever yeah. to. They've always done that. They get hot for a second, and then they get greedy and stupid, really. And yeah. flood the market, and, and, and then the supply so far outweighs the demand that the demand goes down to nothing. Yeah, I saw even this in, in Off-White. These, these women's sale Off-White 4s came out. Uh, and, you know, worldwide stock might have been 40, 50K. You know, something, a good number, but not really that big in the grand scheme of things, considering uh, a Jordan 11 might be 1 million. Um, and they were impossible to get, They're like really hard to get. Uh, especially that as a women's shoe and uh, the, the the bigger men's sizing were impossible to get. And I, and I heard people say, why don't they just make triple the amount? Why don't they make 150,000? And and it's like the, the scarcity of the shoe is part of the design of the shoe, right? You, when they design the shoe, they're like, we're only going to make 50,000. That's what makes it cool that's what makes it cool right and right. you know virgil virgil has had these moments where he's gone viral for the wrong reasons lately the virtual train could end at any reason at any time if the, the next you know bad thing he says and he's canceled for example right but so, he keeps getting canceled and bounces back strong yeah and he's got a, you know he's got enough of a design pedigree to kind of bounce back strong right and and he has released off-whites in larger numbers, um, some of these like track ones and soccer ones, but they were ones not people didn't want as much. So Nike made their money. They might have made, I, you know, I don't know stock numbers, but let's say they made 150 of those soccer or track uh, sneakers because they were like three or four colorways. Right. But, but then they made 50,000 of these sale fours. So I totally get what they're doing. and why they do it and people are upset and i you know if if you're casually into this thing i totally get it because you're you know a nice shoe comes out once in a while and you and you want it and you try on sneakers and and you lose and that's it It, it's it's frustrating well that's how it is that's how it is with the sports cards now yeah exactly like you can't get them you can't you can't be casually into anything like you can you go into walmart with your son and like find a pack or are you going to no. find a bunch of guys? No, you know what's funny? With camping at the beginning, at the beginning of quarantine, you know, my kid's 10 and he loves all sports. Like he's a sports head. And so he started getting into the cards with his friends. So I was like, all right, that's cool. Like we'll go buy cards, you know? And I wasn't really dialed into the, that, that at the same time that Anthony was getting into cards, I, the 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 sneaker guys were jumping into it to resell. I, I wasn't there yet. I was behind. So we're in, you know, we're in Target and Walmart and we're buying packs and stuff and that's cool. And then I was able to, to you know, I would pop in there once a week and get a couple of boxes and then save the packs. And, you know, I was using the packs when I take them for golf practice. You know, when I take Ant to, to golf practice, we play games on the golf course. You know, if you hit this green, you get a pack of cards. If you make this putt, you get a pack of cards. You know, whatever it is to yeah. try and add, like, little s- spice to, to practice. Yeah. And so I would have boxes and keep the boxes in the house and then peel off the packs one at a time and let them last. And then that, now I can't get boxes. So it's just completely dried up to the point where I'm at Target or I'm at Walmart and I pop in. And if it's in the morning before work, there's a line of people outside the place. Yeah. And it's like flashbacks to the sneakers. And if you walk in, the shelves are completely empty. They're mugged. You can't find a pack of cards anywhere. It's crazy. I never I, saw this coming. And guys were on this podcast telling me it was coming, and I didn't believe them. And I'm the idiot. <laughs> I, and I'm just an observer on this, too. I, I'm not into cards. I, I love sneakers. Um, and so I just, like, I have no desire to be in a Walmart line in an in aisle for eight hours no no way. get a pack right and so and there i assume the stuff's gonna change i don't think walmart wants that you know the next time someone starts to fight things will like change maybe they'll go down this raffle lane 
Um, and then they'll learn about, you know, if, especially if they do online raffles, they'll have to learn everything that the sneaker boutiques have already learned about having to deal with people and raffles. Or do you think that now that all the, the, the sneaker stores are doing online raffles, they have their own app? Are the bot boys and the software guys and the computer guys, are they hacking the raffles? There's, there's a raffle bot uh, that's, that people pay a subscription for. A lot of, the, a lot of these bots are subscription-based. Are they worth um, it? Do they, do they work? They do work. And that's the thing where, where they have to kind of publicize when they do work because that's how you, you know, get the next people to subscribe the next time you uh, release. And I, and I know um, I tweeted about how they worked for this, this Kobe pack that Undefeated had released. Yeah. And the way they work is, you know, if you have uh, 100 Gmails, you can type it in there. Uh, you can jig your address, you know, put a couple letters in there extra and it might look unique enough. And so then this marketplace arises where someone might be selling you 100 Gmails that they've created in their time. Um, and so then you plug it into this bot and once that form is live, it just, that form was live for six hours, which is, which is crazy. Um, so I knew then that it was going to be released. And if you're undefeated, you now have set, you're open for, you know, you open the raffle form for six hours. Now you might have a million entries. What are you going to do? Are you really going to like go through each entry? Um, you know, find the person who put, you know, ABCD in front of their address um, or not, or you're just going to hit the random button and then send out the invoices. Amazing. <laughs> right. Amazing. So I would have never thought to put ABCD in front of my address. I would have never thought, like, who thinks that? Oh, these but, guys, they, they've. And they've, it works. I'm sure the post office or UPS or FedEx, they'll still deliver it to the right address. Yeah, they'll, they'll, these guys have played around with that, you know, because they're running for uh, something every single day. And they know that, you know, after a while, you get to kind of realize what works and what doesn't. Um, there are raffles. Like I said, I mentioned Premier earlier. They do it super fair. I've never seen anyone flex that they've uh, bought in the Premier raffles. I don't know what they're doing. Um, I know they have like this VIP system. They've released shoes where if you've spent $400 with them, then only those people can get access to that. Um, I hope there's more of that stuff. I, you know, these stores. I, I totally understand when a store backdoors, let's say, to a VIP customer, because I think stores should do that for someone who's a, uh, a loyal customer. And if you're bringing that online and it says right there that you've spent $1,000 with us and now this, you know, this Nike Dunk is now available at 12 o'clock for only these platinum customers, I think that's great. I think more But here's the, here's the problem. And I'm going to give you the retail side of it because that's what I know. The customer that's your loyal customer, the big spending customer, nowadays, that's not actually your real loyal customer. That's a reseller, right? And, 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 and the reseller is only there to make money, which is fine. But the minute it dries up, they're not going to be there. The, the, what will sustain retail is the customer who comes in and buys everything, not just the release, the customer that comes in and buys the socks and apparel, the customer that comes in and buys the shoe care and the 79.99 sales shoe. And they buy the stuff for their wife and kids or their husband or boyfriend that's the customer that you really want to cater to because if you get in bed with the resellers and, and I used to, in my younger years, hate the resellers so much because they poisoned the business. And I don't, I don't feel that way anymore. I feel that they're a necessary evil and evil's the wrong word. They're not evil. They're opportunistic as they should be because this is a capitalist economy, right? We're all trying to make money, but, they, they, they poison the well, if you will. And that customer that comes in on Tuesday afternoon and buys something off the shoe wall, that customer that buys the apparel throughout the week, that customer can't get what they want because the reseller's outspending them 10 to 1. 
Right. And then the store is showing that 10 to one guy loyalty. And it's really hurting the regular customer. So you have to be careful by basing your loyalty, and I'm using air quotes, on dollars spent. Because if somebody comes in and buys 25 or 30 pairs of a, a Jordan 1 mid, are right. they more loyal than the, the, the family who comes in every two weeks and laces the whole squad? Who's more yeah, loyal? And, <laughs> you know, in, in dollars and cents wise, of course, it's those resellers. Um, but it's up to these stores to kind of forge these connections with customers. Um, and a lot of times I've seen where stores are interested in doing that, like, like the examples I've given, and I've seen ones where they're, they're not. Um, when you're in these groups, one of the things you'll notice is in this monitor is some store might randomly restock uh, like two, three pairs of Yeezys um, and because it, it alerts you right away. And think of like everyone sitting in front of the computer at the same time, all trying to get those three Yeezys. That store could have put them on the shelf. That store could have like posted on their Instagram stories. We have three Yeezys that we just found in the stock room. Come get it. But then you're dealing with people in the comments, hold it for me, people calling, uh, you know, people might be calling eight hours later. Um, or you could just restock on the site and they're gone in like three seconds. And you don't, you didn't do any work for it. So you could, you could create these, these opportunities where you could create, um, and you know, I, and I know I'm, I'm using just an example of a random. Sure, sure, on. sure. But you, there, there's all these opportunities where they could create stronger bonds with customers and make loyal customers. Um, and sometimes stores do, and sometimes they don't because the other uh, option is just more convenient. In, in, in brick and mortar, in the, in the stores themselves, the resellers have prevented the stores from putting stuff on the wall because they, they, cause, they cause mayhem. And, and the breed of reseller that we see out there today is, is they're way more cutthroat, way more ruthless than the resellers of 10 years ago. Just I, 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 was, I, was joking with, I was joking with my buddy uh, you know, back in New York. Like these guys just hang outside V-Files because, um, you know, Stadium Goods and all these other stores are just around the corner. They're just waiting for that next text message from a footlocker or something that something restocked. Um, and you know they're off and running, right? And that's 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 the loop in New York, as they call it, right? That's how it is. And it's, it's crazy. I see that literally yeah. every day. Yeah, the game is the game, as I said. The game is the game. <laughs> Let me ask you a little bit about Western Canada before I cut you loose here, because you've been generous with sure. your time. So now you guy travels a lot. Do you get across uh, the border a bunch or not? Like yeah, I live. That's how I buy everything. I live very, very close to the border. Um, I would walk, drive over into Washington, have everything shipped there, and then drive it back. Um, I wouldn't, you wouldn't have to pay all these extra duties. Uh, stuff is way cheaper. Um, and, you know, there's a limit. Sometimes I'd have to pay duties at the border. Sometimes I wouldn't. Um, and it was great. But now with, uh, with COVID, the, the border's been Closed. shut down. So, yeah, so I haven't been doing Canada it. Canada built a wall around the United <laughs> States. Basically, yeah. Amazing. You know, it's yeah. funny. I'm, I'm, I'm heading up to, to northern Vermont next week. And uh, I'm going to be like minutes from, from the border over there. And there's, there's stuff like to take the kids, like a safari out there by Montreal or whatever. They're not, they're not letting anybody in. Yeah. And uh, I just think it's ironic. I think it's funny that um, for four years – our government has been trying to keep people out and now everybody's trying to keep us out. <laughs> I, I, that irony has not missed me. Yeah, no, I have probably 20 sneakers sitting in, 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 in Washington state for me to pick up and uh, maybe I'll get to them next year when the border opens. I don't know. Wow. Are you, are you a, a um, pizza guy? You know, the pizza is a very common topic on the, the, the one-on-one <laughs> Don Drew podcast. Yeah, I've never had the Chicago pizza, but okay. it doesn't so that's, look like some. You're better. Yeah, off. It doesn't look like anything I'd want. The, the no. one time I went to New York, 
Um, I just did it. I didn't do any touristy things. I just went to like cafes and hung out with friends and went to bars and had pizza. And, you know, that was great. The, the New York pizza scene is, is undefeated. Good. Canada, uh, Canada, I don't see as a, a pizza destination. Yeah. I'd be Canada, in, Canada invented ham and pineapple pizza. And, oh, you know, forget about that. that. <laughs> ham and pineapple. I thought, you know, I, so that's Canadian, not Hawaiian, huh? <laughs> yeah basically so i think i'm pretty sure it's an invention that's here. really terrible oh my goodness yeah. <laughs> hey a sock jig man thanks for uh for doing this I, yeah I, no thanks for having me i thought it was fun um i appreciate all your support i appreciate you sending my 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 clip viral yeah and, like uh, i said I, i'm a fan of your your podcast and your shows i remember asking you um bring it back um a long time ago yeah you know i (laughs) it's funny i sometimes i wanted to and sometimes i didn't and um i'm glad i did i wanted to do it and i don't want to do sneakers every single week because i live sneakers 24 7 for 25 years of my life so i do get burned out and i love the opportunity to have you know some sports people on or some media people on or whoever other kinds of conversations that or outside of sneakers that, that I've had, you know, but, um, I, I, I watch golf and, you know, I have Jets friends, friends and yeah, we do some know, Jets uh, here and I, I can't wait to see you guys suffer through Adam Gase this uh, season. Um, <laughs> don't do this. Don't, <laughs> don't do this. Hey, but anyways, thanks again. I get, like I said, I appreciate the support and, um, I think the socks are cool. The, thanks. the, you do a nice job with it. And I think that like some of your takes and, and stuff are pretty measured right down the middle. So the thing with the the socks I wanted to say was, um, I I wanted to create a project where you kind of like, it kind of forced you to believe in yourself. A lot of times people have these ideas and this podcast might be the same kind of thing where you're like have misgivings. And I was like, I'm going to do this. I think it'll work. I'm going to go through it. And there's times where I doubted it might work. But going through the process, you realize that you, you have to kind of like believe in yourself and get it out there. Um, and so that's why I say, you know, thanks for, thanks for doing the podcast. Thanks for asking the tough but fair questions, like I've always said, um, and having me on. Yeah. All right, man. Well, keep rocking. All right. I'll talk you. to you later. Yeah, see you. Hey, thanks to Sockjig for spending some time with me, and thanks to everyone for listening. Please take a second, leave a rating and review on the pod. Hit me on Twitter and Instagram at the Don Drew with any comments or feedback, and I'll catch you next time.